Swing and a line drive left field. Ben and Teddy coming on. Dives. And did he make the catch? He did. He got it. Here we go. It's time to party. Right here. 3-2. High drive. He crushed it. It's a grand slam. Swing and a miss. Thankfully, it's over. The Red Sox have won the world championship. Welcome to Benny and the Bets podcast. Can you believe it? Here's your host, Terry Cushman. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Benny and the Bets podcast covering Boston Red Sox baseball. I want to thank everyone for joining us wherever you are on your AM commute, in your office, on your daily walk. We're happy to have you with us. We are also broadcasted, or excuse me, downloaded in 21 countries, as I uh, recently found out via PodTrack, so that's cool. And uh, with me tonight, Charlie Smith and uh, Jason Kelly. How are you guys? It's going good. Too bad there's nothing going to talk great. about. Huh? Oh my goodness, I'm feeling so much happier now than I did a couple of days ago. I was really pissed, and now I'm happy. Wait till you guys have to do like your first Orioles series, and we got to talk about whatever happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's going to be brutal. But we do have topics tonight. The Red Sox finally have finalized their deal with the Dodgers, uh, sending still Mookie Betts and David Price. We will also send $48 million of Price's salary uh, over to the Dodgers. So we're going to cover the same $16 million per year for the next three. The trade package we are getting back is a little different from the one we uh, expected when we recorded the last show. We will get Alex Verdugo, which I'm kind of happy about. Uh, he does have some off-field baggage if, if we do end up getting into that. But on the field... Solid player, five years of control. Shortstop prospect Jeter Downs as well will come over in the deal. He is a top 100 prospect. We thought we would be getting Bruzdar, greater all, but the Red Sox kind of got sketched out by his medicals, despite the fact he did have a pretty good month month of September to end uh, the season, but he will uh, stay with the Dodgers. The Red Sox, after this finalization, we're not really connected with the Twins. So as far as we're concerned, not really a three-team deal. They did uh, you know, still send uh, Greater All to the Dodgers for Maeda, Kenta Maeda, a player to be named later. And the Dodgers are sending... $10 million uh, to the Twins, uh, presumably to cover some of uh, Maeda's cost. But anyway, let's uh, let's get into the trade. Uh, let's lead off with Jason. What, what are your thoughts? What are your thoughts on the whole week? Because you weren't with us on the last show. Yeah, it was, it was a crazy week. Um, I started off being very annoyed because I was not thrilled with the return that they got from Mookie. I, I knew the trade was going to happen, so I wasn't shocked when the news came down that him and Price had been traded. But I was very underwhelmed when the initial package back was just Verdugo and Greaterall. Um, and I was kind of 
spent most of the week trying to pump myself up about those two players. And I still like Verdugo. I, I know the, there's the whole off-field issue with him, but that was six years ago. I'm not too concerned about it now. I still think he's a good player who will probably slide right into your lineup. Um, so I kind of like that aspect of it. Uh, greater all, I spent the whole week trying to convince myself, oh, maybe he's the next King Felix. He's got a sinker ball that's in the triple digits. And who cares if he's a little hefty? That's that's okay. And then I saw that he went from being 220 pounds last September to now being 265 at the age of 21. Um, so that wasn't great. So now I'm glad that he's going to the Dodgers. I'm glad he's not the Red Sox problem. The fact that they were somehow able to delay this and finagle Jeter Downs, who was the Dodgers' number five prospect, and Connor Wong, who I know we don't know much about him, but he projects to be at least a platoon piece behind the plate. I think it's pretty good. So overall, I'm not too disappointed. It still sucks that Mookie had to go, but given the return they got, you can't really be that upset about it. Charlie, uh, what are your thoughts? You know, you were with us on the last show. So as far as the changes to the trade package, how how do you feel about it? Do I have to say anything else? I'm so excited. So this one (laughs) trade, you know, the Twins were involved, ended up turning into, like you said, uh, the one trade which um, originally had um, Greater All in there. Uh, turned into a second trade altogether. Um, I think in the first trade when we were looking at it, we're like, okay, cool. If this doesn't end up working out, maybe do Gavin Lux, do Dustin May, so we get a pitcher, give us something that we can put at second base since we don't know what's happening with Michael Chavez. Is he going to be the platoon player? Is he going to be like the uh, heavier hitter than like Jed Lowry kind of platooning? We talked about that on the last show. Um, But I am – so much happier about the return that they got this time around. Not only do we not get a pitcher that's broken, which I'm so okay not having, we get two guys that were drafted back in 2017. We get a 21-year-old kid who's highly touted. For the first time, I'm actually going to be clapping and not booing for someone whose name rhymes with Peter playing (laughs) in our jersey, which is just incredibly ironic. I work with a guy who is the only Yankees fan that I can stand and tolerate because I think most of them are lost and kind of confused. Um, no, no, just kidding. But we actually we had some fun talking about this, and I really hope that when he comes to Fenway Park, he gets to don the number two. Maybe they give him number five because for whatever reason, maybe we can see a better shortstop there. I'm excited to see a catcher infield flex. Um, they talked about him being the catcher potentially. If it doesn't work out, then maybe the infielder role would serve his um, his that would be his new duty. Um, both have had mixed result with single A, double A, but again, they're still uh, 21 and 23 years old. I'm not really expecting a, a lot about those a lot with those two guys in 2020. Uh, 2021 is really the year that I'm looking forward to. Alex Verdugo, we talked about a little bit of uh, some baggage there and whatnot. He will most certainly be sliding in where Mookie Betts left. Um, I'm I'm incredibly happy with the return that happened. I don't care about the leaked information about the medical history because, God forbid, we got a player that was damaged. It would have stunk worse than what happened with getting Drew Pomerantz for Anderson Espinoza 
because Anderson Espinosa was one of our highly touted pitching prospects and we got damaged goods. This wouldn't have been our highly touted prospect. This would have been handing over the second best player in the American League, if not baseball, for someone that was injured along with Alex Verdugo. So I digress. I'm much happier now. I don't wake up in the morning angry. I'm feeling much better. I'm not going to complain about getting uh, Jeter Downs. He does project to be a high-end guy. We could use him probably at second base. I did. I was kind of hoping we could maybe get an arm, you know, as that second player. You know, someone a little bit more durable than Graterall. Tony Gonsolin was my you know, dream pick because realistically we were never going to get Dustin May under any circumstances. But um, yeah, and if, if you had a guy who was going to basically start the year in AAA, you could possibly maybe not quite in a pipe dream, imagine maybe competing for a wild card. But at this point, I think that's out the window. David Price is gone. You got Chris Sale. Eduardo Rodriguez, Nathan Evaldi, Martin Perez. It just gets worse and worse as we go down. And we don't know who our fifth starter is going to be. We'll get into some candidates we might be able to just kind of, um, you know, take a flyer on as free agents uh, in a little bit. But I, I was really hoping to, to get some pitching. Tanner Houck, as we said in the last episode, could very well join the rotation in May or June, you know, if he gets off to a good start. So maybe there's a little bit of help there. And we don't know what we have in some of these relievers we've acquired. Could they be potentially two or three inning guys? You know, maybe that fifth start's going to be an opener type situation. Um, You know, and then maybe by the middle of the year, you know, if Evaldi goes down or Sale goes down, you're probably looking at two spots, you know, as an opener, you know, every time through the, rotation so so I'm just kind of curious as to what's going to happen and next year's top two free agents uh, Trevor Bauer who I wouldn't mind having and if he gets his way apparently it's only going to be a one-year deal because that's all he's going to sign that's perfect for us right now um, so I, I don't know if, if we go that route Jake Odorizzi also a free agent but they're really the top two there's no Garrett Cole next year uh, you know for us to kind of pounce on so little uh you know uh, uh, yeah so i i guess i'll stop there but jason why don't you uh let's get into jeter downs you know who is he what kind of a ceiling you know do we expect out of him and how long before we could possibly see him because apparently he only played as high as double a last year Right. So he, he only had 12 games in double A last year. He spent most of the year in high A with the Dodgers. Um, originally a draft pick by Cincinnati. He was traded to the Dodgers when they sent Puig and Kemp and I think Alex Wood as well over to Cincinnati, that big five-player deal. He was a part of that. Um, his minor league numbers are pretty good, at least in, in high A, which isn't saying much. But, you know, it looks like he's got a little bit of power. He had 19 home runs last year. Um, in 12 games in double A, he hit five home runs. Um, he also looks like he, he takes a lot of walks. Um, he had 54 walks 
in 107 games last year in high A. Steals a lot of bases, had 23 stolen bases as well. So, you know, and when you look at his build, he's 5'11", a buck 80. So he really projects more as a second baseman to me. I, I he, he doesn't have the build of a shortstop, and you've got Xander over at shortstop anyway. So I think they're going to groom him more as a second baseman. And he kind of, in a way, reminds me a little bit of Mookie in just in the sense that he's got a similar build. He's got a little bit of pop in his bat. Looks like a really good athlete. Um, he's been able to stay healthy, so that's always a good thing too. So I, I like the patient bat that he's got. I like the fact that he's already walking at a young age because sometimes that's the hardest thing to teach these young players, especially when they do have a lot of pop in their bat, is they want to swing all the time. They want to put up big numbers, and, and they want to swing. And it looks like he's willing to work the count, take walks, get on base, steal bases, you know, play the game that way. Um, so I, you know, I think Charlie's right. You're not going to see him in 2020. He's going to be in the minor league system. They're going to groom him. Um, maybe 2021, he, he gets a shot at the second base job, especially if Chavis isn't quite working out. I don't think Pedroia is going to be there. Um, but yeah, he, he's someone who I think will make an impact sooner rather than later. He's got a lot of talent and he's been very high, very highly touted for a number of years. So the fact that they were able to finagle this guy into the deal is, is, is big. Cause I think he could be your, your future second baseman sooner rather than later. And there's certainly no need to rush him, you know, with the type of season we're starting to expect. Sure. Uh, Charlie, uh, any, any thoughts on him? Uh, actually, you know, uh, you brought up some really great points, just kind of looking at his spec numbers and whatnot. Did do some pretty nice damage at Rancho Cucamonga, which is actually not too far away from where I used to live. Um, at one point in my life, I wish I had the opportunity to see someone like that play. It's kind of cool getting to see players play at single A, double A. Um, you know, now in Portland, I haven't been to Florida to see anybody play, but it's kind of cool to see uh, that experience. When I see um, his spec, he's actually a little bit bigger than Mookie. And Mookie, when he first started, was not a center fielder. He was a second baseman. So I am not completely against the idea of having him start off as a second baseman if the opportunity presents itself and the speed is there. Maybe he opens the door to becoming an outfielder, playing alongside Andrew Benintendi, Alex Verdugo, and then that's your core outfield. You have Xander playing short. You have Devers playing third. You have Michael Chavez, who can still potentially play second. Jeter's going to be faster than MC, and that's not a, a question. I'm pretty sure that's proven. Uh, he's been able to just swipe bases left and right. Double A, we didn't really see as much of a sample size. I'm hoping this year we see a lot of double A, triple A. By 23, he shows up. Connor Wong, uh, I don't know. Should we talk about Connor? What What, what do you think, Ter, with Jeter? Uh, we can touch on him. Yeah, go ahead. I, I don't know what the Red Sox were thinking as far as catching. You know, we had last season where uh, Vasquez was there. We had um, Sandy Leone starting off at AAA, and then we called him up. We got rid of our third catcher. He went off to Arizona, started doing great, and then bombed out. Um, then Sandy's not here anymore. Now it's just the Christian Vasquez show. So is that a sign of maybe Connor Wong is going to slide into the backup role to kind of spell Christian Vasquez? I don't know. He is a little bit older. Um, had pretty much the same experience as Jeter Downs. When you look at Connor Wong, um, not so much in the pop, um, in 
in single or in double A, didn't have as much time, um, but still dominate as far as on base percentage, which is something that you really don't see too much from a catcher. Usually you see a lot of pop, perhaps a little bit of defense, but this was actually a little bit of the reverse because at single A, had a lot of pop, not so much average. Double A, the exact opposite. Not so much pop, but a lot better average. So if we can see something like that coming from the 8-9 bat in the lineup, uh, going forward, Boston could actually you know, kind of slip in as a potential wild card team without having uh, the old-fashioned $230, $240 million payroll with all these guys they are going to be uh, arbitration eligible where the team can control them for several years to come. I'm not a Vasquez guy. I, I don't think he calls a very good game. You know, he does have a decent bat with decent pop, but I'd much rather have someone closer to a Sandy Leone type guy who can work with the staff and do his homework and and whatnot. I just we haven't really seen that with Vasquez. You know, Sale always wanted to go right back to Sandy Leone. Uh, Rick Porcello almost pitched to him exclusively, except for in the playoffs. Um, you know, David Price went back and forth. He probably had some of the better numbers, uh, you know, with Vasquez, uh, in addition to Rodriguez, actually. Rodriguez pitches very well to Vasquez, but I just, I don't think there's a lot of chemistry necessarily, you know, and I, I wouldn't mind seeing someone else, even having. Kevin Ploiecki behind the plate this year. I'm kind of curious to see how that works out. So I don't know if if maybe the front office also is not high on Vasquez. Maybe that was a little bit of motivation there. We don't have to panic about anything, like I said, because we're we're gonna get thumped this year pretty good. Um, you know, most likely. I do want to kind of circle back to um, the the middle infield. For a second, Xander Bogarts had a negative one defensive war in 2019, had a negative one defensive war in 2018, um, just under a negative 0 0.3 in uh, 2017. So I'm just, I'm kind of wondering, I do expect him to play here for most if not all of his career but are the Red Sox going to have the same stubbornness with him as the Yankees had with their version of Derek Jeter you know because Jeter wasn't a good defensive shortstop probably played a year or two too long and I'm just wondering could he be converted into an outfielder or you know maybe with his height he becomes a first baseman there's no comfortable fit, and, and maybe we do have to go the stubborn route. But one of my thoughts when we did acquire Jeter Downs today is could there be could there be an unexpected shuffle, you know, with with positioning here? My only concern with that is they've tried that with Bogarts before. Um, and I forget exactly what year it was, but do you remember the year they moved him to third base for a bit? because they felt like he'd be a better fit there. And his all of his offensive numbers dropped. and Like his batting average dropped, his power wasn't there. And eventually they moved him back to shortstop. And he admitted that 
and his, his numbers went back up and he said, Oh, I'm just more comfortable being at shortstop. I didn't like the position change. So he seems like one of those guys that he has a comfort zone and it's very small, but if they start moving him around and they start trying him out at different positions, he's going to lose focus and he's going to suffer at the plate. And at the end of the day, I'm kind of okay with the negative one defensive war, given the offensive numbers he'll put up. Uh, if he keeps putting up numbers like he did last year, hitting out of the number three spot or whatever, then I, I can take the lack of defense. Now, if it gets really bad and it gets to the point where he's legit costing you ball games because of it, then you know we can start to look at that. But I think for now, for the foreseeable future, I would rather keep him at shortstop because I just worry about him losing his head if you start trying to move him to first base or the outfield or something. That's a legit concern. That was 2014 that he had mm-hmm. those issues, and he did he did play some third in the World Series in 2013 because Middlebrooks and Saltomachia both lost their jobs after uh, Game Three with the uh, interference that uh, ended the game. Um, you know, so he he was okay just for a few games there, and. I think he's a lot more confident now. I mean, he wasn't even a, a very good defensive shortstop until the following season anyway. He and Pedroia worked together, and he's been fine for the most part ever since. But it's just tough to tell with, you know, Bloom coming in how how hardcore they're going to get with the analytics. But one way or the other, I mean, we're at least a year away from, you know, looking at this. But... If if Downs is playing shortstop in Portland, then I, I maybe we will have questions, but we'll uh, you know we'll have to see. But there's an obvious need at second base. I think C.J. Chatham was going to be potentially the guy to get that. You know, if Peraza didn't work out, so I, I'm kind of wondering if he's the odd man out at, at some point. Chatham, I mean, but it's just you know. It's hard to tell. We've got so much. We've got so much depth in the uh, infield right now. It's insane. Very little outfield depth, but all the depth in the world right now um, in the infield. Uh, so another thing. Well, actually, do we want to? Is Jeter Downs going to have to change his name? Like, are we going to allow this? You you know he's not getting number two away from Xander Bogart, so he's not getting the number. <laughs> It'd be, uh, you know, I, I, I think, um, Zan- so you, you brought up, an, a, again, some fantastic points about Xander. 2013-2014, uh, relatively new to the league. Uh, was still a young kid, early 20s, late teens. Committed the same amount of errors at short that he did at third base. The following year, commits as just a shortstop, plays more games than all of he did in all of 2014 combined, and commit, commits just 11 errors as opposed to 10 at each position. Uh, Xander's not going to be giving up two. I don't think Xander's going to do that. Xander is the face of the team now with Mookie gone and having wanted to be gone for three years now, what feels like. Um, you have Devers at third. I mean, maybe you maybe you slap the five on him. Give him yeah, give him Nomar's number. <laughs> Brilliant. Why not? <laughs> I, I, just, I tweeted out earlier, he's going to have to change his name if he wants to play for the Red Sox. He his his father named him after Derek Jeter. Like that's legit confirmed. That's how he got his first name. Well, isn't it technically pronounced Jeter? Uh, well, up here it will be, but uh, yeah, I don't I don't even know where he's from actually. 
like a dad joke that was bad, but like I'm pretty <laughs> sure it's gonna be Vita. So we, I think it'll be okay. They'll let him. They'll certainly at least let him keep the last name, especially if he hits a lot of home runs. They'll nickname him Jeter Lansdowns or something. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> He'll be fine as long as he hits power. Then yeah, he can keep his name. He's fine. Yeah. Do you think this trade today was his father's worst nightmare, though? Like, I mean, there's no way. I, I, my camera isn't angled right, and my wall's a mess. I have a Yankees flag over here with a, with a spray painted red, you know, circle and a line going through it. You know, I, I couldn't if I had a kid. I and I'm never having kids, but if I had one, I just couldn't. I couldn't fathom. I, I swear, kids. Someone taught me in my 20s, they said, this might be really offensive to some people, but they said kids are like AIDS, but with a K, you can never get rid of them. You have them for life. And oh. and, <laughs> and I, that resonated with me, you know, in my 20s. I'm like, okay, okay cancel that. And uh, yeah, and my, my friends that do have kids kind of envy me because, you know, I... I've literally, I'm 36, so I'm, I'm the elder statesman of this whole staff, and my responsibilities in life haven't changed since I was 21. You know, be nice to my girlfriend and my dogs, show up to work relatively on time, and I, I do mean relatively, and pay my rent, you know, so, yeah. But if I hypothetically had a kid and... He went to play for the Yankees. He's getting cut out of the will. I mean, we're, you know, so I just can't imagine. I can't imagine what that poor guy's father feels like. You know, his you know son's going to be wearing a Red Sox uniform. Here's the thing: you think about all the other players in the past that have grown up either Red Sox fans or Yankees fans. I mean, Aaron Judge wasn't he growing up a Red Sox fan before he joined and became a Yankee? Like that's just a perfect example of just like, wait, what? Someone said he used to be, uh, you know, J.D. Martinez at one point he was playing for other teams when he was like 18 years old was was at a game at Fenway Park wearing a, a Red Sox jersey or something like that. So, I mean, I, I think it's funny. I think it's ironic, Terry. Uh, I'm going to make my kids call you Uncle Mr. Terry, Mr. <laughs> Uncle Terry, uh, uh, you know, um, but I, I honestly feel that kids are uh, – a great source of free entertainment and free tech support because they usually learn everything first. They're going to be the ones that at the age of, you know, four come up with the, the new ways to fix technology or make it work and whatnot. I, uh, I, I don't think he's got any ill will. You know, it's that thing where, you know, it's for the parents, for example, that have two athletes that play the same sport that play for two different teams. They get the custom made jerseys where it'll say new socks or it'll say boss Yees or something like Boskies or whatever, just something like that. I would never, um, I would never feel any negative ill will towards a parent that that felt you know bad about anything like that. It is what it is because this trade wholeheartedly has he had no power in it. He had no way of saying nope. I'm not going to. I'm not going to join the Red Sox. It just happened the way it did. Yeah. It's like when you create your own character and MLB the show at shortstop and you get drafted by the Yankees. You're like, all right, well, I yeah. guess it happened. Well, and I know I know it's a different sport, but I mean, we had Paul Pierce here for the Celtics for yeah. his whole career. He grew up a Lakers fan, so yeah. and he still brought a championship here. So, yep. you know, if Jeter Downs grew up a Yankees fan but brings a championship to Boston, fine, uh, fine by me. You can go to all the Yankees games you want when you're retired. You know, yep. just just do the job for us. Agreed. 
Well, lastly, I'm just kind of wondering what Yankee fans, how that's going to come off of their tongues, you know, for the next several years. Like, that's like a, that's like a saintly name to them, you know. I just it's can't. great. It's gonna be something like the the guy Downs, uh, the Downs guy. They're just not going to say his name. It's like sacrilegious almost. I think some of them are going to be. It's going to be almost. Uh, Oh, what's that word? I can't think of it. It's at the tip of my tongue where it's, um, oh, my Lord. This is horrible. Live on air. Um, it's like a curse. They yeah, like blasphemy. It. It's, it's, it is blasphemous, yes. So you know what? <laughs> it, it is what it is. I'm excited to see what happens over, over the next couple of years. That's for sure. I'll leave it there. Uh, finally, uh, to wrap up the whole, uh, you know, bets trade, I do want to bring up one thing and we did not get a chance to, uh, discuss this on the last show, like some of the others did, you know, for, you know, because they waited a day and let the development happen. But Mookie bets apparently on the day of the announcement of the, the first trade, when we thought we were getting Gratterall. He went to Jim Rice and said, I didn't want them to trade me, and I loved playing here. He told that to Jim Rice. He didn't He didn't say it himself to the media. He, he didn't go on his Instagram and say it. He said it through Jim Rice. So I'm going to call bullshit on that. Um, maybe he did want to stay here, but I, I think... I think that was just posturing on his part, and it might have been a counter move to the Red Sox going to Lou Merlone, leaking out the 12 years, $420 million, uh, thing. And so on his way out, he had to kind of fix the narrative. So he goes to Jim Rice and says, you know, I, I really, you know, wanted to stay because he did, if he really wanted to stay in Boston, he did everything the wrong way. You know, he wouldn't talk to them, just completely shut down conversations, would not negotiate with them, you know, despite them expressing that they wanted to. And maybe a deal wasn't going to materialize, but at least, you know, it, he could have, there could have been a little bit more honest effort and he could have been a little more forthcoming i don't i don't think he he cares one bit that he's about to be playing for another team and i just it really rubbed me the wrong way you know when you know when we hear that coming from jim rice what did you guys have any thoughts on it i i mean i've been done with him for three years when he when he made just under a million dollars he got a ridiculous arbitration upgrade where he made a thousand percent. He went from making less than a million dollars to ten and a half million. And they're like, let's work out a long-term deal. And he's like, nope, I just want to go year to year to year. And then he went from ten and a half million and they doubled that. And they said, let's work out another long-term deal. He's 25 years old. Let's do a 10-year deal because I'll do 10 years for 320 two, three years ago. And he, he played the game. He said, I wanted to stay, but this is a business. You're right. And you kept betting against yourself, and you treated the business part first, which I respect. That is your own prerogative. But don't tell us that line of BS that you wanted to stay when we offered for three years a long-term deal. And then to leak it out that they're more than $100 million 
Bye-bye. LA's got great weather. They don't have the most loyal fan base. And believe me, they will turn on you if you aren't doing what they expect you to do. He is not going to be worth 400 plus million. There's only one person that's worth 400 million. And he's playing in the land of boom in L.A. where they basically got like home run derby in the infield and home run derby in the outfield with no pitching staff. I'm totally okay with him being gone. I'm happy they got the, the package that they got back. I don't bite for one second that he really wanted to stay. Not for a second. Crying BS 100%. Yeah, I, I throw the BS flag on that one, too. Um, it, it, he, he seemed unsignable. No matter what the Red Sox offered him, it sounds like he was going to say no. Um, he didn't want to – he might have wanted to stay in Boston, but it wasn't his top priority. His top priority was getting the biggest market deal he possibly could. He, he wanted just under Mike Trout money. He wanted to – he wanted that contract. So when the Red Sox came in well under, he just kept shutting the door kept stalling, kept saying, oh, well, you know, we're going to go to arbitration again. It just, he he was unsignable. He wanted to hit the market. And you Dodgers fans, enjoy it while it lasts because he's going to do the same to you. Like, he's not just going to sign an extension just like that just because he's in L.A. now. He's going to do the same thing. He's going to wait out the whole year. He's going to bet on himself again. And hopefully for him, he has a great year, maybe an MVP season. And he does get that contract because if his numbers dip, in L.A. this year, and he tries to play that same game, teams are going to look at him and go, no, the Red Sox couldn't sign you, the Dodgers couldn't sign you, so we're not going to give you 12 years, 420, you're not worth that. We're going to give you something less, and you're just going to have to take it. So um, he will. He'll pull the same BS in L.A. You know, Towards the end of the year, when they once again choke and don't win the World Series, because that's what the Dodgers do, he'll go to free agency, and they'll say, hey, we offered him this great 12-year deal, and he said no. Um, it's just going to be the the cycle with him until he finally gets that big money deal. And then who knows who that'll be with at that point. But the whole Jim Rice thing was such BS. It it was just, you know, his camp was mad that the Red Sox came out and said, oh, well, we offered him this according to Lou Merloni. So, and he said, no. So Mookie's camp just wanted some good PR his way to say, oh no, like, you know, he wanted to stay. He didn't want to leave BS. He, He wanted to hit free agency. He's been dying to hit free agency. So good luck. Good luck to any team that tries to sign him because it sounds like he's really difficult to deal with. You know, it's funny, Terry, last week when we were doing this, I said, you know, and I said this towards the end, and this was one of the last things I said, what if this trade doesn't go through? (laughs) What if the medical falls through, it doesn't go through? And it ended up, you know, not being him that ended up being the problem. But, I mean, the only thing that was going through my mind, and this is something, you know, I called in the – I called into the station. I called it in, in EEI. And we were talking about how this move, while it's great for Mookie Betts now, the return was actually proper and actually worth it. We might as well just write Mike Trout's name on MVP for the next 10 years. He's going to set the record for most MVP consecutive titles. No one's going to challenge Mike Trout now. It's going to be the Mike Trout show. Aaron Judge isn't going to do it. Giancarlo Stanton, LOL. He's not going to do it. Um, baseball is actually in the National League going to get more exciting, but I don't think baseball is going to go in the right direction because now we got more West Coast games, and for those 10.05 start times for us, there's not going to be as many people watching games out here. So I don't even think people thought about that because baseball isn't as popular as as some other sports out there that end in ball. Um, 
So it's, I mean, it's going to be interesting. I, I think this is now Mike Trout's league, and we're all going to be a part of it. And the National League now has one and two MVP, like back to back on the same team playing right next to each other. That's it. Well, I mean, you got Mookie Ballinger. Uh, you know, Yelich is going to probably have something to say about that race this year, uh, you know, which is interesting. It'd be interesting to see the contract he gets. But, um, but with Mookie, two other things came to mind as well. Number one, like, did, was he mad maybe because he's being inconvenienced? Like, oh, great. I got to move to L.A. He doesn't have kids in school, so he doesn't have to deal with that just yet. But... He's got to uproot his family, get him in L.A., probably, possibly, you know, to another destination after next winter, depending on how free agency goes. So there's there's that, you know, that was kind of in the back of my mind with those Rice comments. And part of me also wonders that maybe he was shocked that the Red Sox actually had the balls to trade him. Like, you know, maybe he just kind of assumed no way would they do that. You know, it'd be PR suicide. And, you know, we did see the backlash from fans. It was just re- a lot more intense than I thought it was going to be. And, and you know, it just it, it shocks me how, how dumb some Red Sox fans are. You know, there's a, a big percent of the demographic, whether it's 30% of them, 40% of them. It's a sizable number. They're just not they're just not very well informed as far as looking at the full picture, you know, with the economics and, you know, what it takes to build, you know, a a balanced roster. And you certainly don't do it with a a $400 million contract. I mean, yesterday, Benintendi, they bought up two of his arbitration years and he even, he has a third year that's not resolved yet. That's going to come after those two that got worked out and all across Facebook, I'm seeing fans rejoice that Benintendi has been signed to a two-year contract. And I had to go on there. I'm like, no, guys, guys, we had him anyway. He wasn't going anywhere. We got him for the next three years. That's just, they're just, they're just controlling his salary. And, and most of them still didn't even get it. They're like, yeah, but a two-year contract's a two-year contract. And I'm like, ah, these guys, I'm telling you, these, those are the same clowns I argue with about Mookie Betts. You know, and I just so uh, yeah. The the amount of people who called into sports radio over the past week and said that demanded that John Henry sell the team <laughs> because of his trade was hysterical and also really sad because it's like you guys do realize next to Kraft he's probably the best owner of all the Boston sports teams right now. Like he actually knows what he's doing. And he does love baseball. And, oh, by the way, he's brought you a bunch of World Series. So I don't know why fans are – yeah, four of them. Yeah. I don't know why we're so eager for him to sell the team just because he traded a guy who's been here, what, five years? Like, it's a bit ridiculous. <laughs> you know, I, I think some people were bitter. There there was a comment. I, I don't know if this was factual, if, there, if this was fabricated, who said it or someone said he said it, was about he's running out of money and it's too expensive to, to run a baseball team. He's running two of the most well-known and most consistent sports clubs of time. Boston, the Boston Red Sox this year, okay, let's let's be real. They're not going to scare anyone this year. But his club team in British Premier, 
is smashing everything that puts uh, a product on the field, and it's not even close. They're going to smash the record for the best PPL record ever, and it's and they're they've still got like ten games left to go, um, including the team that I follow, which isn't Liverpool. Liverpool is probably my second favorite team because I've been following a different team for a long time. Genius, four titles. I, what name another team that's won four since two thousand? Uh, I'll wait. <laughs> I'm I'm not going to lie. I mean, I do get a little irritated with ownership at times. I mean, we, they've had their controversies for sure. You know, Orsillo, Francona. I think, you know, the Sandoval thing, that goes on ownership and stuff. And, and sometimes I do get frustrated with them. But when the thought pops in my head of them selling the team, I'm like, well, what if we get like a douchebag owner next? And we all hate him, and he he doesn't want to spend money. So it's still obviously you know better to have the guy that we have. I just hope that High and Bloom is really carrying the most influence in that front office. And I've told people multiple times in the last few weeks, and th- this is to the like the extreme Homer crowd. I'm like, he's not going to be your GM. He's going to be my GM. He's going to be the value guy. And I still expect we're going to spend big on pitching, you know, once, once some of the bigger free agents come up, but, but I don't think we'll see massive position player contracts necessarily. You know, I, I hopefully with some of this, with this, uh, you know, freed up cash, maybe we, extend out Devers, you know, maybe backload it a little bit to, to get the average annual value down. And, you know, the problem with Mookie was we waited a year too long, possibly. Maybe it wouldn't have mattered, but, you know, they could have pounced on him a little bit earlier and maybe got a different result. Here's another thing that's really unfortunate. We When we called Mookie Betts up in 2014, we didn't know what we had. He was... He was playing second base in Portland, and they had to send coaching staff to Portland to convert him into an outfielder. And then he he came to Fenway as an outfielder. Had we not called him up in 2014 and then waited three weeks in 2015 to call him up like the Cubs did with Chris Bryant, and they just had that messy grievance thing, had we done that with Mookie Betts in April of, of 2015, he would have been under contract through 2022. We would have gained two years, but they didn't know nobody. He was a fourth round guy. He spent quite a bit of time in the minors. He didn't zip through it like Ben and did, you know, because of his college experience. He was in the minors for two and a half, three years. And, and only was in double A the season he got called up. So, it's just kind of, you know, it's just kind of interesting how it all played out. But um, hopefully they're they're a little bit wiser with uh, Devers and, and maybe even Benintendi, you know, if he gets off to a good start. I've been a huge critic of trading Benintendi. I was never for it at any point. I just, I see a lot of value in him, whether he's hitting, you know, in the two hole or the five or the six hole. I just, I, I think once he gets into a groove, he's going to be, an excellent player. It took Bogarts a little while to get there and, and look at him now. I think Ben Attendee is going to be the same guy. But uh, any thoughts before uh, we move on to the manager? 
I'll, I'll say this much. Um, whenever there's an opportunity for a player that's that young to, you know, like you mentioned, you know, didn't really spend too much time in the minors. And I myself had to look back because I, I, I remember him spending a little bit of time, not too much, like a couple of years. Um, and just letting everybody know, this is brought to you by Snapple. Hey, Terry. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the peach flavor. <laughs> the peach flavor, the good one. Um, you know, it, it makes me it makes me kind of re- reminisce and think about the day that we thought, yeah, you know what, trading Jeff Bagwell might be a good move. Yeah, we'll take Larry Anderson, sure. So, um, I think that it would be in the Red Sox best interest to, while maybe who knows, maybe it works out, maybe it doesn't. Even if if we get one of them for a great deal, lock up Jeter, lock up um, Wong. For a couple of years now, even if it's low, maybe you, you cough up a little bit more just because. Look at all the money we threw at Rusney Castillo, and look what happened there. Yeah, that's a terrible system, yeah. though. But yeah, look what I mean. Look what, what look what they did with Christian Yelich. Yelich is making nothing this year compared to some of these stars. He's making a fourth of what some of these guys are making. A third. And he's going to be doing that for the next three years. It's he was signed to an incredible team-friendly contract, and uh, he deserves to be paid like one of the best in the game. He's not, and he's not so, going to get it from Milwaukee either. You know, which is I love. I'm wearing a Brewers hat right now. I love the Brewers. Not like the Sox, obviously, but you know, one of those small market teams that's that's really smart, and you know. Gets gets good value. I'm I'm hoping to be a little bit like the Brewers, you know, in terms of finding those guys to plug into the four spot, the five spot in the rotation, and you know, getting uh, good production that way. But anyway, so report came out uh, two or three days ago. Uh, I saw it first on Bleacher Report, but then Bradford came out with it actually, and I think Pete Abraham of the Boston Globe was actually one of the first as well. Not my favorite writer. G-Bob, if if you got to watch that whole <laughs> thing unfold a few years ago. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's probably mourning the David Price trade, uh, you know, more than anyone. But, uh, but anyway, so they kind of break the news that Ron Renneke is expected to be named the manager of the Red Sox uh, going forward, you know, for at least the next year. Jason, how do you feel about that? Do you like it? Was there another candidate that you were hoping to see get that opportunity? What are your thoughts? Um, yeah, I'm okay with it. Um, I don't think that Renicky is a deal breaker one way or the other. I, I still look at the Red Sox as a 84-win team at best, something like that. Um, he's fine. I, I think for now he's a good holdover choice and it gives them more time to really look at who they want for the long term um, because I don't think that he's a long-term answer Um, I I was interested in the idea of Fabulous getting the job just because I think that he has a really good rapport with the players I think that he has a good reputation in the locker room and I think after this whole Mookie business you kind of need someone who's going to hold that locker room together because and I, I think it was actually Bradford who's tweeting about it today that like, you know, there's videos of Rick Porcello uh, training with the Mets. And he said, you know, that's a guy that 
Sure, he wasn't great, but he was big in the clubhouse. He was a big locker room presence. You know, guys really trusted him. He helped keep everything together. J.D. Martinez is still tweeting out more emojis, you know, after <laughs> the, the second time Mookie Best got traded, which, to be fair, a little side note on J.D. Martinez, like, dude, you opted in, okay? By opting in, you pretty much guaranteed Mookie had to be traded. So stop it with the little sad emojis. Like, you're still getting, what, $28 million? So, um, but he's he's clearly upset by it. I'm sure there's more players that are upset by the trade. Um, so hopefully Renicky can... You know, keep the locker room balanced, keep their their heads on straight, and we don't have like a Bobby Valentine kind of mess on our hands because um, I can't live through that again. I just and I don't I don't think that'll happen. I don't think Renicky is as big of a boob as Valentine was, but um, Fabulous was the one guy that when his name came up that he was getting a formal interview. I kind of liked that, and I don't know what his managerial shops are. I just like him as a guy in the room, leading that locker room. Um, but for now, Renicky's fine. He's a competent manager. He's proved it before with his time in Milwaukee. So um, I think he'll be he'll be okay. But I do think it is just sort of a holdover choice. I, I don't think he's a long-term answer. I think they, deep down, they want to get someone else. So for 2020, yeah, it'll be fine. But I'm interested to see who they really want going forward. Charlie? Um, you know, I, I just realized I forgot that Renicky was a coach in Milwaukee, so that's why you're you're loving it, aren't you, Terry? I I'm or, a big Renicky guy. I have been from the start. Yeah. He got them to game six of the twenty eleven NLCS, so two games from going to the World Series, but I'll I'll get to him uh, in a second, but what what are your thoughts, Charlie? So you know, I, I I'm gonna keep it short on Renicky. Um he already has coaching experience. This isn't going to be someone that um, is going to be coming into a situation where he's kind of got no knowledge of what's happening. Uh, he's comfortable with the situation. I do believe that the players respect him. Uh, he's not going to have to go through a learning process to get to know anyone outside of the, the new boys coming into town. And I think this could work. If it's for a year, if it's for two years, we still don't know what the full – um situation is surrounding Cora if it's a year if it's two years because I'm pretty sure if Cora ends up coming back if the Red Sox will have him back Renicky will more than happily slide back into his old role and call it a day uh, as I was just saying I you know I I'm a big Renicky guy I think he's just you know he'll have a very calming type presence uh, you know I I'm not gonna compare him to like Francona or, or anything like that, but he has had success. One of those articles did point out that it, it's going to be popular with the players. So, you know, there's, you know, some comfort in that. Jason, you, you mentioned Carlos Feebles. I wouldn't have hated that, you know, and he's bilingual. So that plays well, you know, with guys like Devers and, and stuff. Cause I, I think he's probably going to be one of the, <laughs> Biggest affected by not having Cora there uh, any longer. So, but it it would have been a bad look to take, you know, those jobs away from some of them right as we're going to spring training, you know. It just, it would have been brutal. And I'm just curious, I mean, if this team overachieves with Renicky, I'm just kind of curious to see if, 
he does hang on for maybe another year or two beyond this. And we looked at what happened with Houston here. Dusty Baker is coming in on only a one-year deal. There is an option for a second year, but he's really, I mean, I don't, he's not A.J. Hinch. You know, There's he doesn't have that type of, you know, analytical, academic mindset that, that Hinch had. And, and cheating or not, I mean, I still think Hinch is one of the top managers anyway. You know, if he does get another job again, I do expect that team to have a great deal of success. But Baker was the right guy at the right time. I think Renicky is probably the right guy at the right time to kind of just kind of keep things flowing and, and whatnot. And hopefully the Red Sox are up front with him. You know, if he's going to be a short-term guy, hopefully that's, you know, what, is conveyed to him, but who thought Brian Snicker, that old geezer was gonna, was gonna be the guy to get Atlanta into the playoffs, you know, they had that epic meltdown in game five when they gave up, you know, what was it, 12 runs in the first inning, (laughs) Mike Fultonevich, but, um, but yeah, and then, and then Mike Schilt, not even a former player at the professional level, you know, ends up getting the the gig, you know, permanently. So, you know, stuff like that makes me be open-minded, you know, in terms of what happens. You know, if Feeblace ends up getting it, you know, we'll see. It'll be interesting to see what they do as far as the bench coach. That hasn't been talked about, has it? I haven't seen anything on that. I haven't heard anything, yeah. Yeah, so we'll see, you know, maybe Veritech slides into that. He was a he was a big name, you know, early in the process. I'm still not huge into that, but but you know, it's not going to it's never going to go away whenever there's going to be a managerial opening. His name's going to get brought up, so we'll yep. uh we'll see what happens. And Charlie, you mentioned Alex Cora. An interesting development happened. Did you guys see that Wall Street Journal article that came out a couple days ago? Is that about like the code breaker and all that? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And and dark arts. Yeah. It it turns out Jeffrey Lunau had probably a lot to do with it. The commissioner just couldn't prove it. You know, he just couldn't unequivocally say that he did. But I mean, it seemed like there was a lot of evidence. Like apparently the video guys said that Lunau used to come into their room and, and joke with them being like, Hey guys, we stealing signs tonight or what, you know, stuff like that. And it's like, and then he was such a weasel. Like when, when that whole thing with the, the Brandon Taubman thing came down, you know, with the domestic violence and he had his own investigation and then exonerated, Tobman, but then the media blew up and he fired him a few days later anyway. Like that just told me everything I needed to know. This Jeffrey Lunau is is a weasel. And I'm just wondering, like, it makes me question Cora's role again, because it certainly seemed like he had an extremely central role. So I don't know like if he really did. Um and, and he well, might that- he might have, but if he was carrying out orders and so was Hinch, it was ironic that this report came out the same exact day Hinch's interview with Tom Verducci happened to air, you know? Yeah. And Hinch has taken the fall for everything. Although, 
yeah, we'll, if we have a minute, I'll mention one other thing. But, um, but yeah, so I'm just wondering if if more comes out that Cora and Hinch were were carrying out orders, maybe that eases them back in. But um, we'll find out this week. Cora is looking at a multi-year suspension, at least two or three years. I wouldn't be shocked if it's a lifetime ban, you know. So maybe the commissioner has more info on him that wasn't released in the previous report that he's kind of saving for this one. But but we'll see. He's certainly a popular guy uh, still, you know, amongst players, former players, you know, Fenway personnel. But any thoughts on any of that? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I just think it's interesting that every report that comes out about the potential Red Sox punishment, it seems to be getting more and more lenient and more and more like the team's not going to get hit as hard as they initially thought. Um, or at least certainly a lot of sources within the team are pretty confident that they're not going to get hit too hard. I don't know if that relates to Cora. I think Cora's still going to get whacked pretty bad. But yeah, it's interesting how that keeps changing, how... You know, the longer this goes on, it's looking more and more like oh, the Red Sox won't be punished too harshly. Whereas like when it first started, it was like, oh, yeah, they're they're going to get the worst punishment ever. So that does keep changing. So maybe they are finding less evidence than they thought. I think at the end of the day, uh, with Adrian Hinch saying what he said, even if maybe he was owning up to things that weren't his uh, doing, he still laid out the groundwork for apologizing, saying it was his fault for this, that, and the other. And Major League Baseball said they were going to come out with a strong, harsh punishment, and they were going to make an example out of both of those two. So anything less than a year for both um, would have been a shock. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if they gave Cora more just to stick it to him, even if this really ended up coming out and being the situation where it wasn't really – who came out with it, but rather this intern that was a member of the team who devised and organized this perfectly strategic plan to execute this uh, code-breaking, uh, you know, for lack of a better term, obviously here, um, strategy to gain an, uh, uh, an advantage to win. So maybe it ends up being worse, maybe not, but at the end of the day, both of them admitted to doing wrongdoing, and that is why they're gone for at least 2020 and hopefully not longer. Maybe they both get a second chance. I'm just wondering, uh, you know, once the Red Sox part of it wraps up with our own investigation, I'm wondering if, like, names will get leaked as far as who ratted them out. Because I'm going to tell you right now, my prime suspect is a former late-inning reliever who now pitches in the National League. On a team that rhymes with... Does he have Does he have a big beard? He, he has a flaming beard. Yeah, that, uh-huh, that's, yeah, that's my number one suspect. He's got all the motive in the world. They screwed him with the qualifying offer. They wouldn't even let him get the final three outs of the World Series. They handed the ball to Sale, who could not locate his fastball and was throwing basically sliders with an occasional fastball. And they went that route and... I don't think he's happy and you know, so that's, it'll be interesting to see. Another thing kind of unrelated is, is stuff going to get leaked about David Price? You know, any legendary stories? I don't think so. 
uh, you know, unless it's at like the ownership level or whatever. And Larry Lacino isn't here anymore. So, um, you know, so who knows? But that, that's one thing. And he's probably, will he have stuff to say about Boston as soon as the first LA Dodgers might get shoved in his face? You know, so stuff to, stuff to look out for there. Let, let me say one more thing about the Hinch thing. He didn't deny the buzzers. He just deferred to the report when, when asked that question. And mm-hmm. I thought the buzzers thing, I haven't been on board with it. I, I was open-minded to it at first, but when nothing concrete came out and you look at the data, you know, we got the, well, we, I was rooting for the Astros, by the way, that whole playoff run, even the World Series, but but the Astros got shut out by um, Tanaka in game one. Then they got shut, nearly shut out by Paxton. A lot of those games were low-scoring games. I just, it's just far-fetched to me. And then they lost every single home game during the World Series. You know, so it just, it, buzzers is a tough sell to me. But, and I was, you know, I tweeted several times and Jose Altuve and Josh Reddick were the only two guys in 2017 to never have the banging. Like, there was never any trash can banging when those two were up at the plate. The rest of the team had it. So why would why would they be wearing buzzers if they weren't okay with the previous cheating? Like, it just doesn't make sense. But when you have a guy like Hinch not really denying it, it's just, you know, it just makes me a little more skeptical again. But... I, I think they cheated. I think Altuve, you can see him mouthing the words, don't rip my shirt. No. Like, bro, if they're going to rip your shirt, they're going to rip your shirt. Your teammates, you guys are, uh, you have your unsound brotherhood. If they rip your shirt, I'm pretty sure your wife is going to give you a pass in the heat of the moment because you're the captain of your flipping team. This right here, dead sign, raising the flag. There's something funny going on. But why wasn't he getting banging? Why would they be dumb enough to do it, though? Why Why would they be dumb enough to rip his shirt off in the first place if he was? Like, I'm, I'm just playing devil's advocate because that's what goes on in my head. One side screams this. Why? Because if a player can take advantage of something or manipulate a situation to give them a competitive, unfair advantage mm-hmm. and not get caught, why not? No, no, that's not what I meant. I said, oh. why, why would they, if they knew he was wearing a buzzer, why would they rip his shirt off to begin with? Like, they would know not to, is what I'm saying. I'm thinking the rest of the team probably forgot in the heat of the moment. They're celebrating oh. the moment. They for- It could have. I, I also, they, they either forgot or there might have been some members of the team that what they weren't made aware of the buzzer thing because they didn't need to know maybe like a bench player or like a, a reliever they don't need to know about the buzzer situation and the more people you can keep in the dark about it the easier it is to keep that secret so because i think now you're hearing guys like charlie morton who came out i think just today or yesterday and said oh i wish i had done more to stop the cheating stuff so i'm, I'm sure he was left in the dark about some of those details too so that's probably why i think yeah guys it- I read that article and he, he basically said, well, he's like, I was a nobody at the time. Like I, he wasn't really, 
he wasn't really a guy until he was the hero in the World Series. You know, he was coming off of, I think, Tommy John and, and you know, just trying to kind of, you know, get a footing in the league again and, you know, caught fire during that playoffs and has been really one of the best pitchers in baseball since then. But I don't know. There's something that though charlie morton was an absolute nobody era hovering well over four some seasons as high as four and a half seven in 2010 and then three years ago he joins the houston astros goes 14 and seven strikes out 160 guys a 3.6 era following year 200 strikeouts 15 and three record goes to tampa bay and does even better again as he gets older, his numbers should not be getting better as he gets older. Baseball players are not like wine. They don't get better with time. It does not make any sense. Yeah, I, I agree. Always thought there was something weird with Charlie Morton, who sucked in Pittsburgh for his whole career. And then he goes to Houston and finds his fastball and is all of a sudden striking out 200 guys a year. I, I don't know what it is, but he's always been a I think team. their pitching program, I mean, look at Wiley last year for five months, was a bona fide number three. I just, I think they do have an edge in their pitching program. You know, Trevor Bauer had this really wild theory, and I think suddenly he has a lot more credibility now, <laughs> you know, based on the rest of what's happened with the Astros. But, but I think... I think they know something when it comes to pitching and apparently it's all about spin rate with them. And, and, you know, Garrett Cole, for instance, his slider gained like eight miles an hour, you know, when he went there. And, and so, you know, I think Morton just kind of, just kind of learned something there. Um, yeah. Another guy though, that came out and talked about it was Dallas Keiko and, he was saying how, yeah, we were doing it, but it wasn't like we were doing it all the time. And then one of the national writers came out and said, yeah, but Danny Farquhar, you know, had that issue where he had to step off the mound. He kind of figured it out. And that was in the month of September when they had a 17-game lead. So if they weren't doing it all the time, why were they doing it at that point with the division all locked up? So Keiko didn't look good with his comments. Um, you know, you know, about a month or so ago, but yeah, before we do wrap, which is going to be in just a second here, pick a team that Mookie is going to eventually end up with. I've got my all day pick. I'm almost willing to bet money on it, but I'll, I'll go last. Who do you guys think? Um, my, the team that still sticks out in my mind is, uh, the St. Louis Cardinals. I just it, to me, Mookie is a cardinal. He, he's, you know, I don't know what their financial situation is. I don't even know if they have the room to to sign him or if they need to make room for it. But he seems like a really good fit there. So I don't think it's going to be the Dodgers. I, I just don't. I think they're going to have one of those years where they compete all year and then they choke, and Mookie's not going to want to stay as you know a part of that. So I think he's going to end up with the Cardinals. Charlie. So I'm actually torn, I think, for the betterment of baseball to get people reinvigorated with the love of the game. I'm actually torn. I would love to see Mookie leave L.A., come back to either the Central or the Eastern Coast. So I'm split 50-50. I think it would be interesting to see him as a Cub 
because they may not be keeping Bryant. There are a couple of names that aren't going to be there long term. I wouldn't boo for him as much, but there's really only one team that I would truly, really hate to see him don the jersey of. And while it would be tough, it would cost a lot of money, nothing would be better for baseball than to see him put on pinstripes. I knew it. It had to be. And this could be the team to give the metaphorical middle finger to the Red Sox for getting a player with the name Jeter than to say, you know what? We'll sign Mookie Betts to 12 years and $400 million. We've got the money. Good luck. Well, if they do that, I I think it's a long shot if you ask me. But would it shock me? No. Um, You know, they would have... Close to, well, let's three quarters of a billion dollars between him and Garrett Cole, and they got to sign Judge. Glaber Torres is going to come up. They're probably going to want to add another decent starter. I think I think it would be tough for them to to add Mookie. My team, see, it's going to take a stupid team to do it. I, I think he's going to end up with a stupid team that has a history of not making smart decisions. I don't think it's going to be the Dodgers. I think Andrew Friedman is too smart for that. And he might, if they do lose, as Jason suggests, they're going to be like, well, geez, it didn't do us any good this year. Why would we want to drop a massive contract for 12? Here's my pick. He's going to the White, White Sox. You almost, I thought you, I thought you were going to say it, Charlie. I thought you were going to, but you went Cubs instead. I think it's going to be the White Sox. They're sick of being second fiddle. They missed out on Machado. I don't think they went too hard after Harper, but I think they're going to go after Mookie. And if, you know, expectations, I expect them to probably compete for a wild card. I mean, they should end up in the mid 80s or so as far as wins, I feel like. And if they fall just short of that, they're going to make an emotional decision in signing Mookie as well. And I'm saying I'm saying the White Sox. Yeah, I, I guess I could see it. I could see it. They they have been missing out on that big fish free agent, so that could finally be the one, yeah. And, I mean, just go back to that Chris Sale year when he sliced the jerseys. Also, earlier in that offseason, they banned kids from the clubhouse, you know. So imagine with the Red Sox, Griffin Holt not being able to come into the clubhouse. You know, I, that was a, it was a terrible move, and... I think their, um, you know, their GM isn't the best, Rick Hahn, and I think I think that's a team that's going to end up with him. But do you know who I thought you were going to say? Who? The Texas Rangers. Hey, that's another team. It could happen. It could happen. And it's not just because it's Texas. But because this team passed, and, and if you look at it, because I was pretty sure this was what was the situation, you think of the big, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, back in 2001, 10-year, 250, 2.5. To Rodriguez. A-Rod, that was the most balloon contract of all time. And I remember when I saw it, I was like, wait a minute, they gave him how much money? What? And then he ended up signing the 10-275 New York. The Rangers could do whatever they want in a couple of years. There's no money on the books. 
So you literally can build around a star or two in Texas. So maybe it ends up being in that center sliver where you got Chicago, Chicago, Texas. More people are going to be able to watch those baseball games than those silly folks in L.A. It could happen. That's an excellent team, and I, I would, if I had to make a list, that they'd probably be in my top three anyway. Yeah. So, yeah, very possible. And uh, I didn't even really consider them. But, well, all right, we uh, we uh, basically did the length of a regular season show, about an hour and a quarter. But uh, appreciate you guys coming on, and uh, we'll just kind of wait for the news uh, to confirm Renicky, and uh, we'll see what the punishments are. Maybe sneak in a quick show, you know, in the middle of the week or whatever. But, um, but yeah, good to have you guys on. Yeah, good to be here. Thanks for having us as always. Okay. All right. We'll talk to you guys soon. Be well. All right. See you. Another episode in the books. I think that's episode 187. So I uh, hope you guys uh, enjoyed that. I actually thought that was a very good show. And uh, uh, hopefully uh, you guys are zipping along on your Monday. Pitchers and catchers report this week. So we'll finally have a, a steady stream of, you know, baseball reporting and, and whatnot. Uh, you know, so that's just another step closer to the start of the season. But uh, thanks for joining us, and uh, we'll be back for uh, 188 uh, before long. Take care.